Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Risk's L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on the sharing of good economy. L. is also the chair of the Marketplace Risk Advisory Board. Please note, this podcast has been prepared for informational purposes and is not legal advice by the Marketplace Risk team or the presenters. The material discussed should not be construed as legal advice or a legal opinion on any specific issue. We urge you to consult a lawyer concerning your own situation and any specific legal questions you may have. Please contact us at info at marketplacebiz.com and we can put you in touch with the appropriate professional. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Al. And welcome back to the Platform Podcast. This is Series 5 and I am Elle Tucker. I'm Chair of the Advisory Board here at Marketplace Risk and host of the podcast. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Candice Sogren, who is Vice President of Emerging Markets at Socure. Candice, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Elle. I'm looking forward to it. Now, Socure, I've I'm intrigued about about this name and about what you do at Socure. So can you tell me a bit bit about the company? Yes, of course. So Socure um, is a company with the mission of completely eliminating identity fraud by um, understanding the identity of 100% of, uh, of American applicants online. Um, we are a company that uses uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning to triangulate an identity. Um, so, so looking at a, a, you know hundreds and thousands of different pieces of information, we are able to say this person is 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 a real person. Um, this person is who they say they are, and this person is someone you want to do business with or not. And we're supporting uh, companies with with understanding who their customers are. That's I mean, it sounds like you know a lot and and a lot that you're able to do as well. And this is all through technology. This is all through uh, AI. That's correct. Yeah. So think of us, you know, I think uh, many people are familiar with the Tesla car. Think of us as the Tesla car of identities. So we're taking in information from, uh, you know, a thousand plus customers and many more who are running tests with us. They're all saying this identity is good or this identity is bad. And so essentially we've seen your customer, whoever you are, we've seen your customer 10, 12 times every time they've opened a bank account, a credit card application. And so we've seen them so many times before that we know very quickly, whether they're a good or bad identity. So just like the self-driving car is taking data from all the drivers out there on the roads, we're taking in data from all of our thousands plus customers to support you in understanding who, who your customer is. And what sort of companies are these? Because obviously at Marketplace Risk, we're interested in marketplaces, but I know that you work with marketplaces, but also other kinds of companies. Is it right across the board? So yeah, so we actually, um, like, Socure is 10 years old as a company and um, and we cut our teeth in the financial services space. So we are working with 12 of the top 15 credit card issuers, four of the top five banks. Um, we're working with payroll providers, money service businesses. And uh, as of the last two years or so, we've really started to expand our, our services into um, emerging markets uh, such as uh, online gaming or cryptocurrencies, or NFTs, e-commerce, gig economy. So we're, we're expanding out telcos um, to, to other markets. So you're kind of really just trying to just be, be you know, ahead of, of the trends that are happening. And presumably in your role as VP of Emerging Markets, this is what you are focusing on personally in your role. 
Exactly. Yeah. So I've actually um, uh, been leading emerging markets in a number of different industries over the years. And what I have always said is that when three customers come together, that's a trend worth tracking down. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm the tracker downer. And so, so I identify, I look across our entire portfolio of companies, as well as the, the, those, those uh, you know, customers that, that we're talking to that maybe haven't signed yet. And I say, okay, where are the industries that have a need and then, then I work with our product team to ensure that our product meets those needs. And marketplaces, obviously, you've um, identified more more than three of those. But what? Why is the offering that Sokia has? Why is this important for marketplaces? And and you know, why do they have a particular need to to implement this technology? It's it's an actually an interesting story. And so, looking at the sharing economy at, at you know at marketplaces, at, at gig and on demand delivery, at e commerce platforms, um, what we've seen is is a, a trend, several trends actually. Um, many of the the marketplaces that we were speaking with and that, that we were working with came to us originally just with a check the box question. You know, how can we make sure that there's no you know bad actors, no OFAC you know bad actors um, uh, on our platform? And so they're saying, can you just help us with watch list so we can check the box. And what we what we were showing them is, is you actually have a much bigger problem <laughs> on your platform than just a known bad actor who, who's on who's on a watch mm. list. Because if someone is on a watch list, they know they know enough to work around being on the watch list. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so that that doesn't actually solve the problem. And so what we've actually said is there's actually probably six issues that you're dealing with mm. as a marketplace. Place. Just a bit sorry to tell you this, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, so what we say is, let's run a data test. We'll tell you exactly who's good, who's bad, and what's happening on your platform. And what we found is there are six main areas of pain that marketplaces are dealing with. Um, the first is account takeover. Account takeover issues are, are essentially, you know, you, you have a good customer or a good seller or, a, you know, a, a good party on one side of your marketplace. Um, and then someone comes in to change an email address, change a mailing address. When that happens, that's an account takeover. And so essentially that mailing address has now gone to a bad actor. Um, that email address has now gone to a bad actor. That bank account is now going to a bad actor. So that's a pretty big issue for a number of our marketplace customers. Um, another is buyer and seller collusion. Um, and buyer and seller collusion is the, the, the prime example is, you know, when someone gets in, you know, calls for an Uber, their friend is the Uber driver. They run up a giant tab with that Uber and then and then essentially it's, it's a money laundering scheme. Right. So, oh, no. so money is moving from from the driver to the buyer or to the from the, the customer to the driver because they know one another. Mm -hmm. um, but this happens also a lot um, with uh, international customers who essentially are, are laundering money through a platform uh, in e-commerce. So the seller is selling an item and they'll just never actually have the item. They have the, their family members, their friends, or the people in their ring buying their item to move the money through the platform. And then the item is actually never even delivered. So, so this is a pretty big problem mm -hmm. um, for a number of, of, of marketplaces. It sounds like they come, you know, marketplaces come with a whole you know a host of of issues that maybe a traditional or a fintech or one of the you know the sort of original companies that you're working with wouldn't face at all just because of that peer-to-peer -peer transaction yeah it was it's for a couple of reasons first of all it's the peer-to-peer -peer transaction but second it's because these platforms aren't regulated like fintechs right. so fintechs are required by the federal government to know their customer 
And so they're required to collect things like social security number and date of birth. And, and they're that, with that information, they're able to, to say, oh, this is actually a, a, good, a good identity or bad. In the, in the marketplace space, that's not typically required. Now, there is a trend of marketplaces who are becoming money service businesses because they want to take more advantage of the economics in the financial transaction and the credit card transaction. So they might be becoming payment facilitators or getting their money transmitter licenses. Those players start to operate more like fintechs. But the wide variety of marketplaces aren't. They're not regulated. And so they really haven't cared so much about who's on the platform as long as the money, when the money changes hands, that transaction is good. Mm -hmm. So many marketplaces I've talked to say, you know, all we care about is the point of transaction when the credit card is swiped. The issue with that is that by the time of transaction, the fraud is oftentimes already occurring um, and you're going to only catch that fraud one out of maybe five or six times. Um, and if you if you identify these players earlier in the process, you're more likely to clean up the fraud in the transaction later on. But I mean, this might sound like a, a, a daft question, but what what's in it for the marketplaces? What what potentially could they suffer in terms of a loss if they don't act? Because surely for a marketplace, if the transaction is between two people, you know, why should they be concerned about that? I mean, obviously, I've feel that they should, but I just, sure. you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Like, so, 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 so why, why care? Um, why does it matter? What's in it for me? Um, there's a few things. So first of all, um, there's reputation risk, obviously. Um, so, you know, if your buyer doesn't get what they paid for, or if uh, your consumer isn't getting the service that they asked for, um, or it's, it's the wrong service or good, um, then there's a reputational risk, of course. So, so that, that's definitely a concern. And that's why so many marketplaces places have trust and safety teams because they, they care very deeply about their reputation. Um, you know, in the gig space or, or you know, when, when you're looking at someone coming into your home or caring for your child and those marketplaces is even more important um, because a person is actually coming into, you know, the consumer's mm-hmm. home. Um, and so, so there's definite trust and safety concerns. But there's also regulatory concerns. And so, you know, we've seen a number of scams recently um, where the regulators have been getting involved. Um, There was a a Brazilian scam recently where um, drivers who were delivering alcohol for a number of the gig platforms um, were were taking photos of the driver's licenses of, of the people that they were delivering alcohol for and then shopping those driver's licenses to create fake IDs for illegal drivers to drive for the ride-sharing apps. So it was a very complicated and and, uh, elaborate scheme, if you will, but it it, it triggered the interest of the regulators. (laughs) And so um, so it was was originally a civil action that actually now has gotten regulatory scrutiny and is triggering regulatory fines. So, So there's reputation risk, there's trust and safety concerns, and then ultimately regulators are taking more interest. You used an expression prior uh, when we were chatting before about marketplace health. Tell me a bit about that. Why are people becoming more interested? What has led people to to take want to take care of of marketplace health, and what does that mean exactly? Yeah, so I think that you know, in the in the first iteration of marketplace back in the early days, so you know, think think of like the Craigslist days when when there were just you know basically classified ads online, and that's all you saw of marketplaces. 
um, fraud was rampant. Um, and, and, you know, you, you can, you can probably, uh, you can probably interview a hundred people who were on those early platforms. And I bet I would tell you that probably 90 of them experienced some kind of fraud. Um, and, and at the time, um, that was the only game in town. But now there's so much transparency. If you think about, you know, the the ability to score one another on, you know, on Airbnb or on Uber and, and the ability to rate one another, there's more and more transparency so people can make more highly educated decisions. And so I think marketplaces are now starting to take a proactive role to say, we actually are in a unique position to provide the safest transaction available. Mm-hmm. Um, even safer than in a store, than walking into a brick and mortar store. And, and so they're, they're saying, how can we ensure that our, that our transactions are the safest transactions available? Um, and so, so there, there, there are many platforms are saying, okay, we're going to be, we're going to be creating, you know, a marketplace bill of rights. We're going to be ensuring that both parties are verified. This is happening a lot in the dating space, for instance, or, or rental space, um, where, where, you know, the platforms are proactively wanting to verify um, their parties. Um, so, Candice, tell me a little bit about how you got into this and how long have you actually been with SoCure and what were you doing beforehand? Because it's a very interesting role you have. And I love the idea that you are identifying trends. But I, I wonder where your interest comes from and what your sure. background is. Yeah, yeah. So um, so I'm an entrepreneur by trade and training. I'm actually a securities lawyer uh, by education. And, uh, and so I practiced securities law for a number of years, representing companies like Fifth Third Bank and um, Vantive WorldPay. And, uh, and then I started my own companies and raised venture capital for those. And those were in the marketplace space and the peer-to-peer lending space. Um, I sold uh, those companies and, and then started a management consulting practice um, where I worked with a number of platforms and companies, including XPRIZE and a number of Buy Now, Pay Later platforms. Um, and ultimately uh, began leading new markets and strategy for Marketa. And Marketa is a payments provider, an issuer processor that's actually working with a number of marketplaces as well, um, and uh, led new markets for them and uh, built out their, their lending vertical, their buy now, pay later vertical, their digital banking vertical. And then I took up all emerging markets. And that's where I, I told you when three customers come together, that's a trend, track it down. Um, and so I did that for Marketa for four years. And, um, and was actually a customer of, of, of uh, identity verification and was working with some, some legacy providers, um, was really struggling when I was in my previous role with um, just a number of customers were going to manual review. And so what happens when you're doing identity verification, you, you know, your customer goes through, they answer a few questions, name, address, phone number, email. And if your provider whether that's SoCure or, or another provider, if your provider is unable to identify that person, then they have to go into a step up um, and verify more information. We call that either document verification or manual review. Like, you know, almost half of our customers were going through manual review. Wow. <laughs> and that was very costly. It took a lot of time and we lost a lot of, uh, of customers as a result. They just abandoned in the process. Mm-hmm. And so um, so I, I had the opportunity to come to SoCure and I was so excited because SoCure is able to, to you know, dramatically improve that. You know, when you're turning away 50%, they can get that up to 90 to 98% of your, of your customers are automatically approved. Um, which significantly changes the uh, the verification process. Mm-hmm. 
And so, I mean, as a startup founder yourself, you have literally been on the other side of this and you're able to actually see it from a, a founder perspective as well, presumably. Um, yeah. And so in, in that sense, what, you know, what would you say to, to founders that were, were listening about this? Is it something that it, right in the early stages of, of planning their gig or sharing startup that they need to think about or is this stuff kind of next level this is for your series a this is you know too big and and complex at an early stage i would say it's across the board and i and i, I would really um for I'll, I'll first talk to the startup founder so to the startup founder you know the name of the game for you is getting as many people on your platform as possible <laughs> the last thing that you want is to turn anyone away and so many early stage founders have said, we want we don't want to do anything with identity verification because we want every single person on our platform. However, um, the, the, the opportunity here is to really get to know who your good customers are. So as a startup, you're not likely regulated. Um, and so, so it's, it's, you know, what we recommend is that you actually want to do this at the, at the top of funnel. We call it day zero. Um, at the day zero, just when you're collecting their email address or their phone number, because every platform's collecting some piece of information to have someone on their platform, we can tell you very easily and quickly uh, with a product that we call Sigma, um, just based on that email address, just based on that phone number, or just even based on the device, the IP address of their computer, whether they're high or low risk. If they're low risk, then you can market to them. So a lot of our early stage founders are using identity verification to Im improve their, their top of their funnel, to know who they should actually act, you know, spend money to market to. Mm -hmm. So we send them, say, these are your good identities, go get them. Um, so it's almost like other, a growth tool, I suppose, in a sense. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. it's, a revenue, it's a revenue generation tool to help you sift through those very, very early stage leads um, and decide which ones you actually want to spend the money to market to. But in the gig space, um, you know, there, there, there is much more concern on the gig worker side. Um, so you can't just let everyone come on board um, because these, these people are going to be delivering goods or services to your consumers. And so many platforms are doing almost a full background check. And full background checks can cost anywhere from $50 to $75 per person on the gig worker side. And what we say is working with a company like SoCure in the identity verification space lets you know which of these gig workers you actually want to go all the way to a background check with. So, so if they're a bad identity from the beginning, they're not even who they say they are. Um, if that's the case, then you don't want to spend the money on a background mm, check. For don't them. waste your time with them. Sort of, yeah, get them out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a cost savings and revenue generation tool early on for the startups. That's really and makes it very positive as well, doesn't it? Um, rather than sort of feeling like it's something that they have to do and oof, you know, if it if it becomes um, yeah something that can help them to grow, then um, it's a real twist on it, isn't it? Exactly, and and then as 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 companies mature and and as as they're they're getting more complex and complicated, as I mentioned, many are moving towards getting their money transmitter license, becoming money service business or payment facilitators. Then more things become important. So a few a few things that that that, that marketplace is thinking about is how do I maximize my auto approval? I told you L earlier on about that idea of. 50% of my previous company's customers going to, to manual review, right? So um, how do we ensure that we don't have to spend money on manual review? Because that takes human time. 
that costs money to do do that do that step up or documentation review. Essentially, if I can't verify your name, address, phone number, and email, then I'm going to have to ask you for your driver's license. That's costly. So um, more mature platforms are saying, how do I maximize my auto approvals, get the maximum number of customers in the door? SoCure can support with that. In fact, you know, against other platforms that we work with, we're seeing a 94% increase just in auto approvals. Um, The the next is, how do I ensure that I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater? And what I mean by that is, you know, we have some tools in place to to verify identities. I was just talking with a marketplace yesterday, actually, who's in the e-commerce space for fashion. And um, they're working, you know, with one side is, is the designers and the brands and the other side is the merchants. And they said, you know, at first we let everybody on, on board and, and, and come onto our platform. Then we started to, to, you know, kind of sift through and require more information. And they said that like 90% of their consumers dropped off or they were turning away um, merchants that, that they previously were allowing in. And so they were really afraid that we're now we're, we've gone too conservative mm-hmm. and we're throwing out the good customers with the bad. Mm-hmm. What we can say at Secure is that we actually support you to, to significantly decrease. It's called a false positive where you throw out a good customer. And what we see is other platforms in this space are showing you, you know, six false positives for every bad guy. And at Secure, we're showing you know, for, for every um, bad guy um, less than one false positive. Um, so we're making sure we are triangulating towards a good identity, which means you're going to have all your good customers are going to come through without losing any, you know, without, without letting in any bads. Mm-hmm. Finally, there's a significant increase in customer onboarding. So the customer onboarding experience isn't wonky. You know, you don't have to, to do, uh, those, those know your, uh, KBA questions, you know, where, where did you live when you were 16 years old? What color was your first car? You know, those questions. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of abandonment around that, that process. Um, and, and so we're able to significantly improve that. And then finally, the biggest thing is reducing fraud. And so we're, we're consistently with marketplaces able to find 86% more fraud than they were, than they were actually identifying before they started working with us. Wow. That's a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the fact that also that you use the expression throw the baby out of the bathwater because that's just one of those kind of British expressions that I use that sometimes <laughs> people go you, what that's <laughs> it's such a good visual though having a two-year-old toddler <laughs> <laughs> now in the last few minutes I'm going to do a little quick fire because I've been reading the Sokyo website and there are a few things that I desperate to know what they are so hopefully um you'll be able to well I'm sure you will um be able to tell me what they are um now what you've just you've just uncovered one already because I was going to ask you what a false positive was and you've just told me what Mm -hmm. is an imposter scam so imposter scams are are essentially um that they are that it's self-describing but essentially it's where where um in the marketplace sense we call these um inauthentic marketplaces or inauthentic shops where essentially you have an imposter who is coming in, setting up a shop, and they're not intending to sell any goods or services. Or um, someone is coming in acting as someone else. Um, we, we see a, a number of different types of fraud. One is where literally I'm stealing your identity, L, and I go, I go you know, shopping or, or setting up a shop as L. But another is where I say is Candace, but I just changed my social security number by one number. Or I just alter my identity enough um, this happens a lot in the marketplace space, essentially, where you have a seller or a driver who got bad reviews and they get kicked off your platform. 
they come back mm-hmm. as a different identity. And um, this is this is a real issue in the marketplace space where bad actors keep coming back again and again as imposters. So Which, as just else. changing one minor thing. thing. Mm-hmm. That's right. And they can actually build a whole credit file for themselves just with that one small change. And that's actually called synthetic fraud. It's like a Frankenstein. They're creating a Frankenstein identity. Okay. All right. And okay. Next one is what is a legacy approach? Yeah. So the legacy approach, when I've talked to you about how we've shown a significant increase in, um, in fraud protection or that, that significant increase in auto approval, um, the legacy processors or the, the legacy um, identity verification platforms are using what's called single point solutions. So they're, they're cobbling together, or many of our customers actually are also using single point solutions. So they use somebody to check email address, somebody else to check a phone number, somebody else to check a mailing address or a social security number. And they, they put them all together like a plate of spaghetti. Um, and they, they try to link these together to find a good identity. The problem with that using many single point solutions is you run into false positives because every one of those single point solutions is going to say this, this identity is bad. When you combine those, that actually exponentially increases the number of bad identities. Those customers aren't necessarily bad. They might just have a bad phone number or a bad email address. And now you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so SoCure really prides ourselves on machine learning. We're taking in feedback from all of our customers and we're saying, okay, uh, we've seen your customer 10 times, nine out of 10 times, they were seen as a good customer. This address is weird because it's a commercial building and that's why it's being turned away by those single point solutions. This is actually a good identity. And so we are able through machine learning and artificial intelligence to find a good identity where the legacy providers are not. That's incredible. And how brilliant to know that it, you're not doing this kind of, you know, getting rid of people that you want as well, because that for an early stage company, these these people are crucial because not only would they become customers, they might tell 10 of their friends and, you know, you don't want to be losing them, do you? Well, and, you know, this is also a big issue with being inclusive. So Secure is the most inclusive platform in the marketplace. We are we are specifically supporting with new to country, with millennials and Gen Zs who typically have, you know, a, a newer email address or mailing address or moving around a lot with recently incarcerated. So um, in the gig space, almost a third of gig workers have been incarcerated at some point in time. Many, many of those are thrown out with the legacy providers um, as bad identities because of recent email addresses, phone numbers, or um, mailing addresses. We are able to actually to triangulate a good identity in these areas, which makes us much more inclusive. Candice, it's been such a pleasure. And the great thing is that anyone listening in to you today can also hear more from you and one of your um clients, I believe, is this um, Dwellsy that you're going yes. to be yeah, with on one of our live events. Now, this is on February the 2nd. And the name of the event is How to Recognize Fraud in Your Marketplace, What You Need to Know for 2022, which sounds like it's going to have some brilliant takeaways for startup founders. And um, just tell me briefly about, about that. And what can people expect from, from, the, from the session? 
Yeah. So, so we're going to be talking really about, you know, post COVID and in this recent shopping season, what we've seen, what are the fraud trends? Um, what, 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 what's been, uh, you know, how have the fraudsters gotten creative in recent months? Um, so we're going to be talking about trends. Dwellsy is actually one of the largest marketplaces between tenants and landlords. And so they're going to be speaking specifically into their experience, the fraud that they've been experiencing on both sides, which this is a market that's, that's just rampant with fraud. Um, and so they'll be talking about their own experiences. They'll also be sharing how they're using what we call signal um, and identity verification to to uh, to in creative ways to support bringing parties together on their marketplace. It should be really interesting, um, and and I'm I'm confident that the marketplaces who come will walk away with tools they can apply on their own trust and safety teams. Fantastic. That's on February the second. So we look forward to welcome you back then, Candice, and thank you for being on the platform podcast today. Thank you so much. I'll speak soon. Thank you for tuning into the platform podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk. Tune in next week for another podcast.